Welcome to the Joey Miller Podcast. I'm Pastor Joey Miller from Champion Christian Center, and I am so happy that you tuned in with us today. We have so much to talk about out of God's Word, and you are going to be blessed. But let me just remind you, before we jump in, don't forget to check out joeymiller.co for all sorts of resources, from merch to Bible studies to podcast notes to blogs. You will be blessed, so check it out today. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. If you're enjoying it and you want to share it with a friend, a great way to let us know is to like it, to share it, and to subscribe. So make sure you do that as well. Well, let's get into the Word together. We are going to be talking about raising a countercultural family. What does it look like to be going against the grain in 2023? And here's the thing, the gap between where we are and where we think we should be or the way we perceive the perfect family to be can feel so large that we feel like we're just continually failing. And so we're going to take a look at God's word. We're going to see what God's word says about going against the culture. And then I want to just give you a few tools to start implementing in your life and in your family to see your family be different this year. Listen, we need to be taking back our families. On a previous podcast, we were talking about uh, everywhere that God has given us authority, He has also given us the responsibility and the power to bring change. And this is what I believe. I believe that this year is going to be a year of returning uh, to some family values, that it's going to be a year of returning uh, to the main thing. It's going to be a, a time where families start to gather again, where families start to pray together again. And that's going to be the key uh, to seeing a countercultural movement uh, within the world. And so I'm excited to open up our Bibles and talk about this today. If you don't know me, we have five amazing kids. Our oldest just got married and our youngest is 11. And we have kids uh, every couple years in between. And so uh, we've been doing the family thing for about a while, uh, for a while now, but we're by no means experts. But I will tell you some things that worked for us and some things that maybe we've had to adjust in order to be a family that goes against the culture. I want to read with you uh, in 1 John 2.15. It says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If every, anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. And so this scripture is right, right out of the gates talking about the difference between uh, us operating in the world and us operating in the kingdom of God. There are two different kingdoms that are conflicting against each other. The Bible tells us also that, that we're to be in this world, but not of it. That means that, yes, we have to function here on planet Earth, but, but we can operate in a different spirit or a different culture than what the world tells us that we need to be. In fact, the Bible likens our time here on earth as believers, as aliens just passing through, that we're foreigners in this land, that we know that this isn't the end destination. And so, you know, what does it mean to be countercultural? Countercultural, actually defined, is just a subculture whose values and norms of behavior deviate from the mainstream society. So it's just, it's just something that is deviating from mainstream. When the world tells you you have to fit into a certain mold, it's saying, wait a second, I'm not going to pattern and mold my family and my life uh, out of the world's systems and what they're saying that we have to become, but I'm going to use the Word of God as my example. And the great thing is you don't have to be 
uh, a weirdo to be an alien in this world. And here's the rap that Christians get, that a lot of times Christian families think that they have to be so different or so strange uh, and so holier than thou that, that actually they become irrelevant to the world. And so God doesn't tell us to separate from the world. He tells us to live separated. And there's a difference between the two. The difference is the kingdom of God in me, the kingdom of God in my family is now, uh, if I just look at it as separation, then then I'm not going to affect the world around me. I'm going to uh, put a bubble around my family and I'm going to not make an impact for the body of Christ. But God actually instructs us as Christians to let our light shine, not to hide our light under a bushel. And when we're living so separated from the world that we're almost acting as if the light isn't greater than the darkness, we're acting afraid of the darkness. No, God God calls us to shine our light into the darkness and therefore calling them to the light. And so this is what I believe. I believe God wants to bless your family. He wants to set your family apart in a way that people who aren't serving God look at your family as a role model, as as something to aspire to, and doing so brings glory back to the Father. Now, does that mean that you are the cleavers and you have it all together and, uh, you know, everyone is perfect and everything is perfect? By all means, no. Uh, and, And that's where a lot of Christian families fall short because we think that we have to live under these laws and under these uh, the, this perfection, uh, perfectionism, and really God just calls us to love Him with all of our hearts, to live according to His word. And as we do that, people are looking to us and they're saying, "Wow, like they they have something that I don't have." And it might not be perfect, but we're by all means trying to become more and more like Jesus. Christ. And, and, you know, that has always been our family motto. It's been we are full-time Christians and part-time everything else. That means that if you are on the football field, it's your mission field. If you are in the school, that is your mission field. Uh, no matter where you're at, wherever you set your foot is your ground for, your, for the gospel and to let your light shine. And we do it in an authentic way. Christianity isn't something that you put on and that you take off. It's just who we are. And so we're pastors of a church and our kids grew up, are growing up as pastor's kids. And one of the most beneficial uh, uh, things that I would instill into people when they would say, how do you raise a family or how do you keep your kids uh, in the faith? I would say this, that we, we're just who we are. We're who we are all the time. Our kids don't see a different version of the Miller family when we come into church and then when we go home. No, we're consistent. We're consistently loving Jesus. We're consistently trying to love each other better. We're consistently saying we're sorry uh, when we mess up. We're consistently choosing to see the good in each other versus our weaknesses. And so when love and unity and Jesus Christ is the center, you're going to become more and more like him and you're going to live a separated life that you need to, first of all, decide what does that look like for your family. And if you're listening today and you're discouraged because maybe you haven't always been a Christian, maybe you're first generation, maybe you just got saved, 
Maybe uh, your kids are well into their teen years and you're thinking, man, if I could just have a redo, if I could just start from scratch. You know, uh, we've been pastors the whole time we've been married, obviously. We've been Christians, uh, spirit-filled, born again. And there's things in my parenting that I wish I could do a redo on. But here's the thing. The grace of God is so good. He's going to meet you where you're at today. And he's going to teach you and empower you to implement these simple principles to get things back on track. So point number one is this, and raising a countercultural family in the world that we're living in today, a family that's, that's, that's not in the world, but is of the world, that is actually making an impact in letting their light shine for Jesus, is to stay value-focused. Stay value-focused. Establish what are your values. You might be watching today and say, oh, here we go. I don't have values for my family. Well, you do have values. How you're living and what you're prioritizing are speaking your values. You might just not realize what they are. And so if you are allowing different things to lead your life, that is a value. Uh, maybe uh, technology is something that is all over your home, that whenever the kids come home from school, technology. Whenever they're at the dinner table, technology. Well, without saying it, You've created that as a value in your household, that technology is more important than interaction. Let me give you another example. If you are saying, you know what, we, we, we intend to be uh, in church, we intend to be at everything the church has for us, we want to raise our kids in the house of God, yet when soccer season starts and all of a sudden practices are on Sundays and Wednesday nights and you have to take your kids out for several months at a time, your value is sports. Your value isn't the house of God. So we might think and want our values to be one thing, but are our actions lining up with our values? And there's nothing wrong uh, with your kids playing sports. But once again, returning to countercultural, uh, is am, am I in control of this? Is this a mission field? Am I communicating to the coaches what we can do? Or am I letting the culture direct and dictate me? It is so easy to get sucked into the world of sports. We think our, you know, our little five-year-old is going to become the next NFL star. And so we'll devote hours upon hours uh, on the football field. We'll travel. We'll invest money. Uh, only to realize that chances are very, very good that they are not going to go on to play NFL, yet we've created value systems that say, you know what, sports are the most important thing in our lives. And then we wonder why one day uh, they're not serving the Lord or they're not prioritizing the house of God. Now, this isn't a condemnation message. This is a reality check that we all have to undergo, even in our life. It's easy to get sucked into good things. And we want to realign our values to say, are they good things in our lives or are they God things in our lives. And so one of the, the main uh, ways that you can uh, really do this assessment is to say, is happiness leading my life? Am I being led by just what makes my kids happy? Am I uh, just, just giving in whenever I feel like my kids aren't happy? There's something in us as parents that we want our kids to be happy. And the thought of them not being okay with something or fear of missing out, FOMO, uh, on their lives can actually start to lead us in a direction that is not countercultural. That's one of the ways that the culture oftentimes sucks us in, that we want to be led by happiness. We want our kids to live these happy lives and never to have anything stress them out or upset them. 
We want to give them every opportunity. And God put that in us. The Bible actually says uh, that, that as a, a parent, you want to be a good parent. Where do you learn that? You learn that from God, who is a good and perfect father. But we have to learn to decipher the word good there. Good does not equate to a happiness as the world says it. Good is making well-rounded decisions to lead our family towards the values of what God has established for us. And sometimes that means ruffling our family's feathers. Sometimes that means they can't do what they think would make them happy. And so I really want to challenge you, if you're going to live against the culture, not to let happy guide you, to let the word of God guide you. And it's going to be really important in these moments to keep your values in front of you and measure uh, the different things that your family maybe wants to do or challenges you in against the values that you hold. Uh, one example might be, what if your kids uh, want to maybe go somewhere that everywhere else is going and it's against your family value and, and they beg and they plead and they cry and they want to go and everything in you wants to give in because you want your child to be happy. Let me just encourage you, hold tight to the values. It's not easy. And I'm not saying even we get this right 100% of the time, but we try our best to have every, uh, every decision that we make feed the values that we have as a household. And ask yourself, is this going towards the values of our household or the values of the world? And where is the gap and how do I bring it into adjustment? Uh, another thing that the world tries to put on us is a lifestyle, not only that's driven by happiness, but that's driven by busyness, keeping us so busy uh, that we don't know if we're coming or going, so busy that we don't even have time for our own values because we're just sucked in to the culture or uh, the current of the world. If you've ever been to like a lazy river, it's easy to get sucked into the current. We took our family to an amusement park this summer and it was a water park and our youngest daughter, uh, there was one part in the lazy river that the current was so strong, she would just get literally sucked into it. And we knew it was coming every time we tried to prepare for it, it wasn't dangerous. But the, the point is that current kept sucking her back and she wasn't strong enough to fight against the current. And that's how culture can be sometimes. We have every good intention to start the new year, go into the house of God. You know, we're gonna prioritize Wednesday night church. We're gonna prioritize small group. We're gonna do all of these things. We're gonna read the Bible as a family. We're gonna pray and bam, we become so busy. We work hard, we get home, we just wanna relax. Uh, we're trying to make dinner in time for our kids to go to three different sporting events. You know, an acronym for busy that I once heard was uh, busy is being under Satan's yoke, being under Satan's yoke. And you might say that's a little bit extreme, but I will say this, when you're so busy, you have no time to ask God what you should do or what should be a priority. You're just doing whatever comes your way. You're just trying to survive. And it's in those moments that we compromise our values. It's in those moments that we make decisions that maybe are the easy way out versus uh, decisions that we know are best for our family. So a challenge for you to be this year would be, once you establish those values, measure your schedule against those values. If they aren't serving your values, you might wanna cut back on some things, even 
some good things. Do your kids need to play three uh, sports or can you have them choose one sport that they do? Uh, you know, think about those things. Do your kids need to be going out uh, every night of the weekend? We had a season where it was just chaos in our house uh, because our kids were just so busy. It was Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, and, and we were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Something's not going uh, towards our values here. We need to cut back. We're not gonna live in chaos. We're gonna take a minute, we're gonna step back and realize God's given us the authority. Now we're going to assess the situation and say, you know what, what are the things that we need to be doing? And that might be putting some boundaries in your household. That might be, you know what, you can hang out with friends on Friday night, Saturday's a family day, Sunday is the Lord's day. And so really establishing those boundaries will help serve the purposes of your values so that you don't just get so busy. Protect your family, protect the values and the nucleus of who your family is. At the end of the day, the Lord Jesus Christ in your family is all uh, that really truly matters in your life. And everything else is good. I'm not saying everything else isn't good, but I'm saying your family is the nucleus of who you are in the legacy that you will leave in this life. So protect it. This is, you know, serving in and investing in these values are how you, you reap a good harvest. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But uh, the Bible says that the children are a blessing from the Lord. And when you, when you guide your children in this way and you don't just let the world create who your children will be, they truly become a blessing to your life. We are enjoying our teenage and adult children so, so much. And it truly only gets better and better, but you have to make sure that you stay valued, uh, focused. Second is this, stay consistent. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in doing good. Listen, child rearing is like, rearing is a verb because it's hard. It's not like a one and done. It's not like I'm gonna read my parenting book and, um, and then everything's all good. I, in fact, I laugh when people have kid, little kids and, and they think they're parenting experts. Um, not, not anything bad against them, but it makes me laugh because they haven't tried anything out. Before I had kids, I had a great philosophy on parenting, but it's only through experience and growing with them that you actually uh, learn the best lessons about parenthood. So don't grow weary in doing good, be consistent. And let me encourage you this, it's never too late to start sowing good seed. Like we talked about, maybe you're joining the whole Christianity thing late in the game, or maybe now your kids are teenagers and you're like, man, uh, you know, I, I never prioritized the house of God. We we're always Christians, but I, I want to get my values right. Don't let the enemy tell you it's too late. And don't let the enemy hold you hostage by your past decisions. Uh, one of the, the lies the enemy would love to tell you is, who do you think you are now telling the kids they have to be in church on Sunday? Well, you never took them to church on Sunday. And, and he might even use your kids to speak that into your life. They might say, you know, they might buck the system and say, why are we going to church now? Or, uh, you know, you're not perfect. Why are, you, why are you bringing these standards into my house? Be consistent. Don't give up. Keep sowing the right seed. Galatians says, look, it's going to be hard. There's going to be times when you're weary. Keep sowing because you will reap the right harvest. The life you're living now is a result of the seeds that you have sown. Us enjoying our teenagers now is because there were moments of correction. There were moments of alignment. 
I was just talking to my 18-year-old son this morning, and he was saying, I remember, like, you would take us to different Bible studies because we were pastoring and planning a church. He was like, several nights of the week, we would go to Bible study. And he said, I hated it because you, he, he said, you always lied to us. He said this laughing. He said, you told us it was going to be fun, and there were going to be other kids there. And we'd show up, and there wouldn't be anyone else there, and it wouldn't be fun, Mom. And we were laughing about um, those moments. But it was those investments that we made into them that actually caused us to reap the harvest that we're, that we're reaping now. So don't get discouraged. Say, you know what, I'm going to start sowing the right seed, and I'm going to turn around uh, my family values. I'm going to start sowing the right seeds into my marriage. Maybe you're, maybe you're just now coming into a good relationship with your spouse. A lot of people are believing for restoration in the crazy world and the culture that we live in. Uh, isn't really friendly towards good marriages. And so you want uh, to invest in that. Start now. Start where you're at. It's never too late to create the life you love with the Lord. And that comes from sowing good seed. If you don't like your harvest, think back to your seed. And don't let the enemy mock you because of bad or poor decisions in the past. Don't let that voice get inside of your head, that imposter syndrome, when it comes to Christianity that makes you think, oh, you're a fake, you're a phony, uh, don't try to be this perfect Christian family now. No, in Jesus' name, you're a new creation, you're starting afresh, you're investing good things. Get a vision of what you want your life to be like and start sowing seeds towards that vision. When Jesus Christ died on the cross in the book of Colossians, it says that he made a public spectacle. Uh, he made a mockery of any enemy that would want to try to come against you. So, so you just remind the enemy of that when he tries to lie to you and say, you're never going to be that Christian family. And, and then get, get out of your mind what a Christian family has to look like. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're all sitting there in Ralph Lauren clothes on the front row of the church with your hands crossed. No, it could look different. Uh, you know, let your family express themselves the way that they they are, but through the lens of Jesus Christ. Our family has so much fun together. We laugh, we joke, uh, we just really accept each other who, for who Christ has made us to be. And so with that grace, with that love, with that acceptance, and with a passion to become more like Jesus Christ, each and every one of us enjoys our faith together. So stay consistent. Number three is this. The ta it reinstate the table and the prayer circle in your home. Reinstate the table and the prayer circle in your home or just start from scratch, like institute it now. And I want to talk to you about the table and the prayer circle. I would say these are two foundational and anchor uh, principles that we have used in our home uh, that, that really have caused us to be a loving family. Not perfect, but loving and loving the Lord. Um, and so, you know, there's something about the dinner table, something about the dinner table. When our kids were little, we never missed a, a, di a family dinner at the table. We would have lunch at the island. We would have breakfast at the island. But dinner was always at the table. Everyone had their assigned seat. And as the kids got older and as we moved to different houses, it became easy to just serve dinner at the island. It was like I was the waitress. And I would just put their dinners out. They would eat them. And then we would be off to whatever everyone had to do. And, you know, we missed the table. And so we made a goal last year to eat at the table more. And we're increasing it even more 
this year, um, that we're, we're making it a point to gather around the table. In fact, our kids will say, we miss those family dinners. And so, so we're taking an effort to reinstate the table. So much happens around the table. In fact, Jesus did most of his ministry, if you look at the gospels, around the table, talking to people, fellowshipping, eating together. Uh, there's statistics that prove actually that in society, the lack of eating dinner together as a family has had a dramatic negative effect on our families. Talk about being countercultural. Get around the dinner table. It says uh, in the Atlantic Monthly, it says quantifiable negative effects both physically and psychologically have impacted our families and our kids from not being around the table. The number one factor of parents raising kids who are drug-free, healthy, intelligent, kind human beings is frequent family dinners. The number one shaper of vocabulary in younger children, even more than any other family event, including playtime, is frequent family dinners. The number one predictor of future academic success in elementary age children, family dinners. One of the best safeguards against childhood obesity is eating a healthy family dinner. Uh, to prevent eating disorders among adolescent, adolescent girls is creating a healthy family eating environment. The most valuable, most associated with lower incidence of depression, suicidal thoughts among 11 to 18 year olds is family dinners. So this is what they said in conclusion of this study. If you want kids with fewer emotional and behavioral problems, greater emotional well-being, more trusting and helpful behaviors towards others, and satisfaction in life, you need to reinstate family dinners. Wow. Talk about something so little that culture, through busyness, through lack of uh, having it as a value, has just dismissed. And the, the table is a time that you actually fellowship and break bread together. There's something spiritual of being together, hearing about your day. They also say there's an authenticity that comes at the table where you feel vulnerable. You feel like you're sharing in life together. And so I would just challenge you in this. Make it a goal. Maybe not every night. Maybe your schedule doesn't allow it every night. Start with two nights a week. Start with maybe three nights a week. Just institute a family dinner. It doesn't have to be fancy with the china. Get your paper plates. In fact, you don't even have to be some crazy home cook, you know, whatever it looks like. My, my cooking method is called almost homemade. You know, I do what I can, but, but take it to the table. Have time, discuss uh, your, your life. Put the electronics away. Ask each other purposeful questions. Talk at the table and see how that value uh, brings good things back into your family. The power of 20 minutes at the table. It doesn't have to be hours. Start with 20 minutes at the table this year. The other anchor value that we found is the prayer circle. Gathering together as a family to pray. And once again, this doesn't have to be hours upon hours. It doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, maybe you're uh, new to Christianity and you're a little insecure about leading your family in prayer or a devotion. Go buy a devotional, read a scripture, take 20 minutes together as a family and say, you know what, what does this, what does this scripture mean to you? What, what is God doing in your life? Uh, how can I pray with you? And it's going to seem weird at first, especially if you're just reinstating this or you're, if you're introducing it to your family for the first time or you haven't done it for a while. It might feel awkward. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Start reestablishing values, going against the culture, saying, you know what? 
at dinner, we were talking about school, your grades. Let's take that to the Lord in prayer. Let's, let's commit that to God. You're going to see that God's invited into your family. God's invited into uh, the issues that are surrounding your family. And then you're going to see the bond that you have together grow even stronger because you're joining together in prayer. Pray for one another and together. Talk about scriptures and don't stop even if it feels awkward. It's 20 minutes. 20 minutes, a couple times a week, start there, and you'll start to see the values of your family get back on track. It's not hard to get off course. Maybe you're watching today and you say, oh, I did this at one point, or, or I'm doing this. It's good reevaluation because if you're going on the right course and you take a couple wrong turns, it's not hard to get way off track. Trust me, I've gotten lost many times because I missed one or two turns. And so, so it's good to do that realignment and that readjustment. But here's the good thing too, just a couple turns back in the right direction can get you on the perfect course that you need to be on. So be encouraged, reinstate values, live a life that is counter culture. Take back your family in 2023. I can't wait to hear the testimonies that come in from family table time, from reevaluating your schedule, and for really getting that prayer circle reinstated back in your families. I love you so much. I'll talk to you soon on the Joey Miller Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Joey Miller Podcast today. I pray you were blessed by God's word. I pray that the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and ministering to you, that His grace is empowering you to be everything that you're called to be. Well, until next time, I'll see you on the Joey Miller Podcast.